Hello, welcome to The Ripple, a podcast diving deep on closure programs and libraries. This week, I'm talking about closure script development with Bruce Hellman, the creator of FigWheel, DevCards, Ripple Readline, and FigWheel Main. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Oh, thank you. It's really good to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great to have you on. So probably the most recent thing that you've been working on and uh, progressing on lately is FigWheel Main, uh, which is sort of the, would you say, the next generation of, of FigWheel? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 I would say, and I'm kind of, I kind of, I'm also feel like I have to apologize when I say that because I'm sure a lot of people who are using line fig wheel would just really like to have the benefits uh, roll in too. <laughs> well, to, they would love to just accrue the benefits without having to change any uh, configuration settings. So I feel a little guilty, but it was the best thing to do. So, so what is fig wheel main? Well, FigWheel Main is really, uh, FigWheel Main, you know, started as a, you know, a new architecture for FigWheel. And it started in response to CLJS Main. And it, it really, when CLJS Main came out, it, it, it really, it offered a consistent user interface on the command line to Clojure, Clojure Main. And so it, that people could use what they've learned from using Clojure main, and they could use it in, in uh, CLJS main. And the idea that they could continue to use that, and you, you, they could use those same command line options, uh, maybe plus a couple more, and know how to use FigWheel main. It, it just seemed to me like uh, a much better uh, solution for people. Uh, you know, up and down this, this chain of opportunity and, or up and down this, this chain of expression, it seemed like very, very, very natural. And I was thinking that also that FigWheel main could just be more expressive period on the command line. Like this, you know, having lots of command, having a richer command line interface allows people to express a lot more things without having to manually configure every single type of build or uh, type of behavior they want from building ClojureScript. Yeah. And yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. It would just be easier. So that's sort of the, the architectural level. We can come back to the, that. Uh, in, a, in a few moments, but but what are the benefits for people? Why should they switch from line figwell, which they might have been using for many years now, uh, over to to this new thing? What do they get out of it? Well, they they basically, I mean, they get all the things that I wanted to fix. <laughs> <laughs> they get all the things I wanted to fix in line figwell, and it's really figwell sidecar, right? Uh, uh, they they get all the things that I wanted to fix in figwell sidecar. Because line, line, the line plugin is just a very thin, you know, bridge to FigWheel sidecar. Um, but there are a lot of architectural decisions I made when I made FigWheel sidecar that I just didn't know how to make. You know, I just didn't have the information, and a lot of things changed in 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 terms of the the closure script world. You know, from when I first started working on it. Like, 
And uh, like, yeah, it, it, you know, like the broadcast REPL, right? The broadcast REPL is interesting. You know, it's, it's a little crazy, right? Like every single tab you open in your browser is, is a potential environment for where your eval may have evaluated and uh, come back to your uh, REPL. Um, yeah, there's some good things about that. But it, it's it in the end, it's not the best. It's not the best. So Figual Main, definitely you have one, you're connected to one tab in the browser. You're connected to one client. And a great thing is that you can switch. You can easily switch clients just by reloading the tab that you want to focus on. So if you have two tabs open, one with tests, uh, you know, one with your application, one with dev cards or something, you know, if you have these tabs all open and you want to bring focus to one of them, all you have to do is reload that tab and it'll become the focus of your REPL. So that's, and that's just like one feature of, you know, that's one major cleanup, uh, <laughs> Out of many major cleanups I made uh, when I was rewriting uh, Figwheel, and by the way, me re- rewriting Figwheel from scratch is pretty much your fault. Like you, <laughs> <laughs> like you gave you gave me some time to work, and I like over budgeted quite a bit, right? So <laughs> I over, I, uh, I, uh, I overshot. And so pretty much, it, how many months are we into this year? Starting in January, I pretty much worked on ClojureScript, you know, tooling and Clojure tooling till now. I've just been working on open source, period, for, the, for this whole period of time. So, uh, <laughs> oh, well, it's fun. Yes. Yeah. So, that, so that's the, the Clojures Together funding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got given... Uh, yeah, was that was that January? Was it? Uh, was no, it no, January no. That was ago? February. That was February. Right. But I started working on uh, Rebel Read Line in January, or, or, yeah, or a little right. before then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just going back to the the, the multiple clients thing, uh, you can have multiple client multiple browsers all getting auto auto reloaded, but yes. one of them has the REPL target. Yes, exactly, exactly. Like everybody gets the new code. Uh, yeah, the new code is broadcast. Like, you know, a new namespace change. A change in a namespace is broadcast. And But just the eval, the REPL evaluation is just targeted to uh, one, one environment. Yeah, that, that, that seems like a, a much easier thing to, to reason about than having... <laughs> many targets for yeah exactly yeah exactly and you know you can you can change it by refreshing a, a, a browser tab you can also change it uh you know in the REPL itself you can see what what you know connections you have available and then you can change to uh whichever connection you want to uh, evaluate on yeah yeah which actually leads to the next thing right like this this idea of extra mains uh, it was a, it was a, it's quite an epiphany for me when I first kind of re- really sunk in, first of all, how easy it would be to do, and then how helpful it would be. And the idea, I can clarify that, like extra mains is this idea that, you know, normally you, you say what, in your uh, ClojureScript configuration, you say what main namespace you want. And when you do that, right, it, uh, 
and you have a target and an asset path that all line up. Um, in this case, anyway, the target's not, not important. <laughs> but uh, when you do that, right, FigWheel, the output to file becomes this bootstrap file, which, which helps uh, start your program. Instead of having to do a member piecemeal, when, it first, when we first started using ClojureScript, you had to just require Google Base and, you know, in, like, or import Google Base and then, you know, start requiring the important namespaces that you want to use. Um, so this main bootstrap script really made working with ClojureScript a lot easier. Um, and the idea here is, well, what, we can just output as many of those main bootstrap scripts as we want in a single build, right? You have a single compilation process, but at the end, you've added a bunch of extra bootstrap scripts, bootstrap scripts, and they, uh, they can all do different things. They can all require different entry points. Like one could be a, a test and, you know, it could be a namespace that runs your tests. Another one could be a namespace that runs your dev cards or, or literally any other tooling or admin, you know, it can run your admin entry point. And I think because it's all happening in one compile, right? One compiling process, you know, it's a lot lighter on your system. And all your code is like is is being shared really effectively instead of having like a background build, which is a heavy process. You know, it's a parallel compile, uh, and when you change a file, if it both if that file is being watched being watched by two build processes, both build processes go ahead and do the compiles for both builds. And so uh, I don't know. I find it to be a really uh, nice way to work, and it, it's really improved. Uh, what's what's possible uh, with FigWheel? Yeah, that's that's really nice. Um, you know, we've we've got uh, tests and different uh, you know proliferations of different ClojureScript config on some of some of the apps that Day Eight writes, uh, and so being able to to run all of those different dev time uh, perspectives on the same code base at the same time would be really nice. Uh, so yeah, that that's really useful. And another thing it did is if we're segue, we could segue into testing, right? Because, you know, testing is literally like, I basically was leading up. I've been leading up to adding automatic testing to FigWheel main, which I consider like a huge win because people struggle, you know, especially people who are new, but people in general struggle getting a nice testing setup uh, in ClojureScript. Right. I, I, I've just seen it. It's just, it's, it, you know, you've got to get the test runner and you got to keep it updated, uh, with all the namespaces that you want. And, uh, and now how do you compile it and how do you get it to reload, you know, automatically and, and all those things. And with a new auto testing support, uh, you get all that like for free by just setting auto testing true, uh, you know, in your configuration. You know, like, and it, and it was really very, very little code for me to write because I have extra means, uh, and I have a pre, pre-build hook and a post-build hook to create a namespace really quick and delete it, right? And so I can introspect the environment, find out where all the, the, you know, all the namespaces with tests are in it, create a runner, you know, 
And then, and that's why I wrote CLJS test display a while back was because I wanted to have automatic testing that showed up really nicely in FigWheel. Uh, and it's funny how long it took me to get, you know, like when I first released that, I thought I would be, I would have automatic made testing a lot sooner, but it took a couple months. I mean, or yeah, or more for me to finally get around to getting all the pieces in place to have uh, automatic testing, which is, I don't know if you've used it. It's, it's fun. It works really well. I've been looking at the docs for it, and it looks looks really useful. Um, I, I've spent a, a bunch of time working with Karma, the, the JavaScript. Oh gosh, yeah, tools. Yeah, yeah. To to try and make it work for for the ClojureScript test, and uh, Clojure, the way ClojureScript compiles, sort of incrementally writing out the files that caused problems with Karma because it saw as soon as it saw the files start changing, it thought, great, I'll you know, I'll, I'll start reloading or. Oh yeah. Um, it was, what was the other problem. It, it didn't, it started the timer. You, you could set a timer of how long you wanted to wait for, but it started that from as soon as it saw file changes, not until it saw the last file change. Yeah. So if, so sometimes your compiles, you know, if you're doing just a single namespace, it takes, you know, a couple of split seconds to recompile that namespace, but then you might make a change, which, you know, recompiles ends up recompiling a bunch of namespaces, and that takes two seconds. And so you've always got to kind of set your config on the on the high side because otherwise it'll try and reload the browser when it's halfway through compiling the namespaces, and everything's broken, and then you've got to yeah, restart yeah. the camera build again, and just oh, on and on and on. It was it was just yeah, I, I we got it working, but I've never been particularly happy with it. Uh, so you know, it's having something that understands. At a, at a much more fundamental level, it seems like a big win. Yeah, yeah, and and but that works in the browser, right? And so you could also, I don't have automated testing set up. You know, say if you wanted to run it in a, uh, well, it would work actually. Automated testing would also work if you ran it in headless Chrome. So you could do it in the background with the current setup as well. So that's cool. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, you could actually yeah run this uh, headless as well and get feedback on the on the command line and uh, in the in the console. So yeah, didn't think about that. Yeah. So the other thing I saw that was really nice in Serdo's test, which you kind of alluded to, was how how little configuration you needed to to get a working something working. Um, you know, you just tell it to auto test and it kind of figures out the right the right thing to do um launching browsers and uh detecting all of the tests uh all, all of that stuff is done for you rather than you having to to manage it yourself yeah yeah except for the first thing you said the launching the browser isn't done automatically ah, okay but it could you know it could <laughs> that's not a hard feature i just feel like it's it's the first thing that shows the potential of where fig wheel is at now uh you know and uh there's more you know obviously dev cards is the next next logical step uh as well so yeah so uh do you want to talk about dev cards and what that is for people who might not be familiar with it oh yeah dev cards is a, a library that uh pres- <laughs> oh my god it's been so long since i've done this uh you know <laughs> might be better off going and looking at the readme 
Uh, it's been so long since I've described this. Really, really long time. Yeah, DevCards is a library that lets you uh, interactively uh, display uh, basically for it's it's simple interactively display React components uh, in a in a in a in a set of cards in an application in a tab. Like so, it, you get to present. Uh, components separately, not composed into an application. And it's outside of your application. So it's more of an experimental, it's more of a place to experiment and iterate freely on, uh, you know, React components instead of being confined to whatever your current application environment is, which is, you know, it's a lot of people try to experiment, but it's hard because well, the button really doesn't go that, you know, there are a lot of other, there's a lot of other environment you have to navigate when you're already in embedded in an application. And so DevCards tries to be an application where, the, you know, the environment is pretty the, is lightweight and it doesn't impose much on your experimentation. And so, so you could create components and have them in multiple, you know, set up different states for each yep. of your components have them side by side so you can see how a change to what to the code changes all all the different states at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I if I wish we'd started with that. Maybe you could have described it. I would have been happy with that. Very very happy with that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so so DevCards uh DevCards is is really great. Um I've used it uh before. It doesn't doesn't work particularly well with reframe, and that's no, that's it doesn't. More on, on the ref- it doesn't, more on the reframe yeah. side than the dev cards. Um, so I'm I'm not yeah. blaming blaming you, but just kind of the, the stateful nature of reframe. Yeah, it's exactly I, like when reframe first came out. I was like, oh bummer, you know. And when it got really popular, and now it's like the de facto standard, pretty much for 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 a lot of people. I was like, well. It's still possible, and it, Mike Thompson is definitely like there's a there's a long running uh, document like d- detailing ways to to make this work, but uh, yeah, it, it hasn't happened yet. I would like to see this resolved though. Like I would like I would like people to be able to you know uh, use dev cards and use Reframe at the same time, and I'd be happy to do work in that direction as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've I've looked at this quite a lot, uh, and there's there's just kind of a bunch of trade offs with making reframe less stateful, which make it more yeah. available to to these kinds of things. And thus far, I don't think Mike's found a, something that he's happy or happy with, or um, kind of quite got the time to yeah to yeah. To, to look look at it. Um, but you can still, of course, you know, create hiccup. Pick up components and pass your data and random yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to them that way. So uh, yeah, it's not that all hope is lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can pass data to yeah two components and and I mean I still feel like it's valuable, especially if it's lightweight and you, like if it was easy to start and people could use it and, and it wasn't too intrusive and they could quickly experiment with a component like. That was just that just took data so that they get the styles down or they could, you know, like just dial in like what this thing's supposed to look like. I, I still feel like it has value in the experimental sense, sense, you know, not it doesn't all. I mean, I, I feel that was the reason I, I made it was so that you could 
have a REPL that displayed your, you know, have a REPL-like experience where you're displaying your components and you're not, you know, you have a lot more free expression, freedom of expression. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, something else that's new is the figwheel.org website, which documents all of these things you can do with with the new main figwheel main. Yeah, yeah, that that is... It's been a long, yeah, that's been a long time coming. And it was, it was like Fig Will Mean was the reason where I was like, it's time to, to start doing this. In fact, I, I really want to, yeah, I want the documentation to be extensive. I want people to be able to go from the beginning to the end and have a good idea about how to develop with ClojureScript as well as how to use Fig Wheel. You know, I, I wanted to, I don't know if I'm the best person to, to write this documentation, but I'm, I'm going to try and do my best to, you know, bring people on board, you know, like br- bring them on board and make them feel like they understand what's going on. And, uh, yeah. I, I think you've done a great job. Uh, this is, you know, excellent documentation. It explains you've got, you know, tutorial, uh, configuration reference, and then sort of prose documentation as well. That's, you know, what more could you ask for? <laughs> Well, great. Well, there's, there's a lot more to write. There's, there's, I mean, I mean, you know, at least, I mean, at least 10 or 15 more documents probably. Well, maybe <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how the year goes, but yeah. Um, great. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. I do want to get some design on that bad boy. I re- you know, I really want, uh, you know, I'm thinking about paying somebody to, design it because I, I think it's a lot of people's first experience, you know, when they, they come to closure script and they have the closure script website. But I, again, like I want people to feel like it's a solid real tool and they, they can trust it and rely on it. And I'm talking about newcomers, you know, I, I, I want people who come to, to closure script to feel like, Oh wow, they, they do things. They do yeah, this feel this feels solid, this feels real. And uh yeah. Instead of hmm, this still seems a little, you know, a little dodgy, you know, or or not dodgy, but a little ephemeral. Like it may just disappear. <laughs> I don't want people to have that experience, you know. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, I mean, it already do, it doesn't look bad. Uh, I'll say that. Um, oh, thank you. It's, it's, it's readable. <laughs> That's my primary goal is, is to not look bad. <laughs> you've been thinking about interactive development for quite a few years now, and you've been doing a bunch of different projects and experiments and things in this in this domain, uh, especially around ClojureScript. Um, and you know, since uh, you know. Figwheel was was pretty early in that sort of era of tools that p- people can actually use. Uh, by now, it's it's a much more of a mainstream concept, not just in ClojureScript, but also in you know JavaScript and many other programming environments have live coding style things. Um, what do you kind of see as some of the the limitations in these tools now? Where where would you like to kind of get to in the future? You know, that's a really good question. Probably something to ask the guy who invented Fig Wheel in the first place. Like, ask me, like, you know, what was it, four years ago or, or something like 
I was thinking much more intensely about this uh, than, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, I, like, some, like I mentioned before, one of the things I would like to see is more introspection into your application, right? Obviously, it would be nice. Like Redux, ha- like Redux has this idea of displaying your events and being able to navigate and see, you know, and have some uh, more insight. But it comes at a cost, right? Like, in, it's tough. I, I want to be able to have more visibility into what's going on in my in, in my application, but not confine myself to a form of expression that actually prevents me from doing the things that need to happen, you know, in an environment that is inherently stateful and asynchronous, you know? And so it it is, it is, it's difficult. It's difficult because, you know, if you want, you know, if you want really good visibility, I don't, you know, it, it, it is really difficult. And so, Maybe a system of spies in the, maybe a system of spies where you didn't have to type out spy or, or, or like instrument every single function, you know, in an extremely complicated way, way, you know, and then it's hard to navigate because everything's, you know, if everything's instrumented, it's really hard to kind of drill down to what you're looking for. Whereas when you know what you're looking for, It'd be nice to be able to just touch it with your, your mouse and be like, you know, what were the fifth last 15 values that came through here? You know, like what was, what was the value? What were the values that went in and went out? And I'd like them to be visible in a way that's concise. You know, if it's a huge object, I, I don't, you know, if it's a huge map, I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to see the whole thing, right? I want to be able to drill down into it. Uh, if it's, you know, I, I, to me, that's the one thing that is really missing. Uh, in, the, in the ways that we go about it right now feel extremely dissatisfying. Uh, whereas I think like editor integration, where you could highlight something and say, spy, and then, but then have that produce uh, data structure, uh, you know, uh, like produce an inspector that is, is, is as intuitive as possible, uh, you know, without losing, you know, without losing your mind, right? Like, uh, yeah, I think that would be nice. That would be nice. Or in being able to like, say, if you wanted to spy on a value that's four levels deep in this data structure, right? Like, if you could right click and say, well, I want to know about, you know, you know, name, you know, address, street, you know, whatever, you know, I only got two levels deep there, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, the idea like, yeah. 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 Um, have you seen reframe 10X? Yes. I've seen it mentioned. I have not used it. It, it, it seems very, very interesting. Do you feel like it delivers this? Uh, I, I, in a, it's sort of a, it's you know, clearly reframe specific. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. It gets, it gets, um, gets some of the way there. Um, in terms of sort of scoping, you can scope into parts of your application state. Um, see 
with uh, the thing that I'm probably the most proud of, which is not only wait, did you write this? Uh, yeah, I worked on. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I did write it. Uh, okay, well, that's yes, uh, well, own it, man. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 Mike Thompson and other Day Eight employees also worked on it too. I don't want to take sole credit for it, but I, I did do a lot of the work on it. Uh, so, so one of the things that uh, is is really cool about it is the the code tracing uh, where um, we we took the debugs library, which you may have seen mentioned. Uh, that sort of fairly active under fairly active development where it sort of traces over your code and inserts spies yeah, over the yeah. whole form. Yeah. Uh, and and then we sort of extended it a bit further, made it a bit more applicable for debugging not just to the console but as data. Mm-hmm. So you can sort of inspect it further. Uh, and uh, yeah, we we got to the point where you know, you can run your event handler and you can trace you can look at the code and trace through all of the the lines of code that ran and see the see the the result of each expression um you know alongside alongside it so that works that works pretty well uh and you can inspect the data so so yeah that i like i wouldn't say you know we've reached the promised land um yeah, yeah, means, yeah. but uh but you know that's that's definitely definitely useful for for reframers uh i i think well and and yeah i really wish i'd i'd experienced this because i'd I'd love to talk to you more about it um but uh i have heard of it and i've seen like screenshots but i i haven't used it but you i'm definitely going to give it a try because uh it sounds like we're, we're talking about the same thing here and yeah and maybe that will inform maybe you will and reframe 10x will inform some of my thinking around this uh because yeah, visibility period, right, is is really important. But it does seem it comes with these trade offs, and so it, it's balancing the trade offs so that it doesn't feel like it's, you know, like observation changes the thing that you're observing, right? You, you definitely, yeah, you don't want it to weigh too much, and yeah, not that 10x does. I haven't used it. I I, I just it would. I wish it could be effervescent. And and give you the the, the 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 visible you need so that it's not you know laden on top of like you can develop whatever application you want in Closure Script and and get this. But I'll have to check out that the, the you said debug RX or debugger uh, ten X debug ten X uh, no the 10X. other ones. But you said it was built on top of this other thing. Oh, oh sorry, debugs. Debugs. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll look at that as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the one of the things we we found when we were sort of just looking at this uh, observability, you know, inspecting the the state because we've used various different tools for this over the years, and just getting the data, like getting the data out into a readable format, is really only half the battle or even less because yeah exactly up, as, as you say um you start to get too much data um and then it becomes overwhelming and then you stop looking at it and so so trying exactly. to find what what is the you know in a useful way automatically show the the developer what they are interested in 
and hide the rest of it. Uh, but you know, give them give them different different perspectives on their data. Uh, yeah, that that was quite a quite a tricky thing to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it it sounds like you're really happy with the result, though. So that that's that's saying something, you know. That's that's great. And I actually read a lot of the reframe documentation this morning because, you know, I, I haven't used it, and I've had this reticence to use it, uh, uh, just because of my early experiences with, you know, like event buses and messages in in the uh, in using it like as a in using it as like this the central event like a central event processor stack or middleware or whatever for your uh, application. But I see that, you know, Reframe has pretty much identified and addressed all the, the problems that I've had with it in the past. So it, it gets async right. And that's that's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm kind of actually looking forward to giving it a try. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean Reframe... Reframes we've sort of put, uh, especially Mike has put in a lot of a lot of thought and time. We've 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 developed quite a few. I can't even count how many. Probably almost up to ten different reframe applications of various sizes now with sort of different different needs and stuff. So we've we've been able to sort of dog food it pretty well and yeah, yeah. have 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 a decent uh, decent architecture that we can we can build off. Um, but for someone like you who like the, the thing, the thing that Reframe gives you really is a a reference architecture. You know, yeah, exactly. About a, a, a thousand lines of code, or probably less. So, you know, for, for someone like you who's got a lot of experience, you can uh, probably write something custom that that suits you, you know, just to a T. Um, yeah. But for people who who are less experienced, haven't been doing this stuff for, uh, you know, don't have as much experience as you. They, you know, that that's where I think Reframe is really valuable. Oh, exactly. Yeah, especially, but also, right? You, you, you know, this uh, if if ten x is as good as you say it is, <laughs> that's a that's a big value add, right? Like that's a that's a that's a big value add. That's a lot of work that somebody that you guys have done, you know, or somebody who's done for you, right? Like that's a lot of work. If you're looking at a, that's a lot of work that I would love to benefit from uh to get to get more visibility into my application so yeah i'm i've been pretty you know i i my my strategy has always been use as few pieces as possible right and uh and you know i still i still kind of think people should start just using react you know <laughs> in sublano in an atom like really like it is amazing how far you can get with an Atom, Sublano, and React. You know, it's like you can get really far before your application starts misbehaving. And then even then, it, you learn how to make a few React components, make them pure. Uh, then, you know, you, or ca- you know, employ a caching strategy of some kind. I mean, you can get really far, right? Before you're like, ah. Oh, this is this you know this isn't behaving correctly this is it's a mess but then again it does take discipline you know you do have you do have to have discipline you know you you don't want to just uh, do whatever but yeah so yeah i think you know reframe is a really good 
reference for people to, to follow. I think it's a, it's great. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to giving it a try. Nice. Uh, are there any other languages or tools uh, out there from other ecosystems that you're jealous of, wish you wrote, wish you could use in your closure script development? Um, I would, that's, that's, you know, I wish I'd, I'd, I definitely need a broader sampling, right? So I haven't really, like, I'm jealous that the JavaScript ecosystem has, you know, hordes and hordes and hordes of developers working full time on open source. Uh, right? Like, I, I, <laughs> I'm jealous that they have such a base of manpower going into so many open source projects. It's really, uh, yeah. But in terms of tools, yeah. And so, and so, yeah, they have a lot of tooling that, that results from that. That's, that's just, but any, but in terms of specific tools, I guess I fall down there because I haven't really sampled a lot of them at all. You know, I, I started on this journey like, what, four or something or five years ago and I pretty much stayed with Closure Script. You know, I really, and Closure. So I've, I've kind of been sheltered. You know, I, I definitely look at the, you know, the errors in Elm and I'm like, you know, that's, that's awesome, right? Like the fact, you know, that the, the fact that they have types that work so well and that the, it was designed from the ground up to provide, uh, this type of feedback, I think is terrific. And we have a long way to go if it's even possible to provide something like that. Although what might, what Mike Fikes has been doing recently with type inference and, you know, and just like bringing it all full circle, some of the potential of what was already in there is, seems really cool. And we may start getting, uh, at least some native type information, uh, coming back to us, which is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, I'm, I, I'm definitely, yeah. Yeah. There's, I'm definitely jealous of some of that. I'm definitely jealous of that. Um, and in terms of other things, uh, you know, I mean, the complexity of the JavaScript platform period is, is just, you know, like, so, you know, there's a lot of things you can do when you're not just working in job, the world of JavaScript. So it's, yeah, the complexity of the plot. Like, I love working in Clojure. <laughs> I love working in Clojure because, you know, your, your, your process is your, you know, it's just one process, really. You're working away and it's every, the world is simple and unified. And, uh, and you know, with Clojure Script, it's much more complicated. You have to think about the connections, you know, your connection with your server, your connection to your REPL, your, you know, your compilation process. It's, it's just a lot of... A lot of moving pieces. And so it, it's, uh, you know, I, it's too bad. It's too bad that that the only way to make JavaScript palatable, the only way to, like, to get this experience is that we have to, to have the setup that we have. So earlier this year, um, you got uh, funding from Clojures together. Um, so can you talk a little bit about kind of the, the process there of, you know, what, what specifically you were working on during that time period? Oh yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. First of all, it, uh, you know, thanks. Thanks for. I mean, it's a lot of work to. 
I can't imagine how much work it was to first of all, get that set up, let alone manage it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I really like Daniel, that's, that's, that's really something uh, that you, you put your time into there. And it's, it's, and it was great to, you know, and for me, it was a great experience just to have the feedback from the community and from you guys that what I'm doing is valuable. Right. And so, uh, all around, it, you know, thank you. And in terms of the process there, you know, I was, I was working on rebel Reline. Remember when, when you first, when I first applied, I was like, Oh, do I have to work on fig wheel? Oh, but I'm working on this rebel thing and it's really cool. <laughs> and you're like, no, Bruce, we're, we're trying to just do established projects. But I'm like, this is going to be an established project. Trust me. <laughs> People are going to love this. And, and you're like, no, no, I think Fig Wheel is the one. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Well, and then right around then, uh, that's when CLJS Main came out. Right? It was like right before yeah. that. Right? Yeah. And, and I was like, you know, kind of a light bulb went off. And I, first of all, I thought, wow, if I could get Fig Wheel to run just on CLJS main, right? Like just be, you know, then that would be awesome. Um, but then, you know, after I, and I did, like I made, I made uh, a REPL and uh, a Fig Wheel core. So Fig Wheel core and the, there's these three pieces, Fig Wheel core which is I developed while, you know, entirely uh, while in closures together. And Figma Core is basically the reloading and the heads-up interface, right? And it all just runs on the closure script side. And it doesn't care about uh, its connection because it doesn't care about, it doesn't even know about a connection, right? It just evaluates uh, like when you, when it communicates to itself, it just evaluates through a REPL to the front end, right? And so the REPL is the only, uh, connection. And since that's generic, right, it could be uh, any, any kind of REPL and Figual Core could just use it as a conduit for its communication. And so that was really the start of, wow, this could be much, much, much better than it's been. Um, and so, and then I wrote a REPL to, and the REPL was, I, I just wanted to improve on a lot of things. One was the single connection, uh, connection management, uh, you know, like your REPL, you're, you're just connected to one REPL. And I also wanted to, but I also wanted to be really robust and I wanted it, you know, and this is one thing I, I may be regretting at this point, but I wanted it to not like the idea that we're pulling in HTTP kit and Jetty and all these other servers, you know, in any other server that you may be pulling in, it, it just, you know, like load time is important, you know, and the more stuff you, you, the more dependencies you have, right. The, the, the longer it takes for your application to load. And it, you know, it, it can really make life a slog if you're just pulling in every, and not only a slog, it's like, you know, you know, the opportunity to have dependencies, you know, conflicts goes up way, way higher when you have a lot of different things uh, getting pulled in. So I wanted to move over to Jetty, the same Jetty that Ring is using. Basically use the, the main server that most people use most of the time. Um, that, that has some drawbacks, but I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully I'll loop back 
back around to that. Um, so I wanted to like slim down to the appendices uh, and make it really robust. And so the figual REPL uses long polling and a web socket. So it can use either. And so this is a good thing because Node doesn't have a web socket built in, right? And a lot of things don't have a web socket built in. But long polling is a, is a pretty straightforward uh, HTTP interface. And so you, you, know, you pretty much can get the REPL from almost any environment. And, and it works equally as well as the web socket. You know, of course, there's, there's more of a cost for long polling, but it's not that much. Uh, and then it has the WebSocket, which is fantastic, right? The WebSocket connection is really the best connection you can have in this situation. As far as I'm concerned, it's, you know, these days it's so robust. And, and the fact that, you know, connecting to a local WebSocket is not a no-no, right? Yeah, in, uh, you know, in terms of cores and stuff like that. So... Uh, or at least cross-origin. You know, you can connect to a local WebSocket, and, and websites are pretty happy with that. So, yeah, WebSocket's great. Uh, and so, yeah, I made that, I made the whole web server, and, it, yeah, I made the whole web server much more robust. I made the whole uh, web, the whole connection much more robust, and uh, so that, you know, you, when you try, when you start a REPL, it, it just starts and it connects and you don't have to worry about it. So, yeah. And then on top of that, you know, I tried that with CLJ's main and, and CLJ's main is, is, you know, the, the, the framework is there, but it is, it is not up to my standards of friendliness. Right. So it, it really, it, it doesn't, it's not up to, it, it, you know, it, you can do the things if you get all the commands in the right, but if you get one wrong, Understanding why it went wrong or what was wrong uh, is, is it's not very friendly in that regard. So, you know, I was like, if if I make Figwheel main, I'll be able to build on these other pieces, and and I did that towards the end. You know, I just got that off the ground towards the end of the CLJ the closures together funding. So, yeah, uh, those three pieces I worked on, but I just worked on the beginning of Figwheel main. And then pretty much have been working on that ever since then. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other questions about that? Uh, no, no. I mean, you you did did an amazing job um, and uh, set, set an intimidating uh, did an intimidating amount of work. Um, I've had several people um, interested in, in applying look at what you produced and and say, oh, yeah, do I have to do what Bruce did? <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah i that's what that was my plan really to make people really feel guilty you know as much as possible when they're doing closures together i just wanted to like get those tweets out there every day let them know i'm working on something new and uh <laughs> no that was really it's uh, you know i i just you actually just got me on a really highly productive time, right? And I'm not working outside of this right now, right? So you got me at a really uh, productive time, and I'm working on things that I'd like to work on. So it, it really it worked very well for me. Nice, yeah. Well, I mean, big thanks really to the to the members of Closures Together because they're the ones who who funded it. Um, Absolutely, and there's yeah, um, yeah, all of the yeah, there's. I think we're up to 
past hundreds of developers and uh, quite a few companies as well who who are all contributing to. And that is so good to hear. That is yeah. so good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two, two in particular, um, Metosyn, um is a Finnish software house specializing in Clojure. Um, they're running Clojure Tray, I think, uh, today or tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, so so they're a, um, a you know a really generous sponsor, um, and the other one I wanted to mention was Juxt. Uh, Juxt is another consultancy uh, in the UK. They deliver secure and compliant bespoke software applications and platforms from the world's busiest websites to complex financial systems. Uh, so those you know special thanks to all of the members and especially Juxt and Medicine. That's that's great. I'm I'm really glad that they're uh, on board with that. And, you know, like, I would love to go to Finland and develop closure, personally. <laughs> personally, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a fan of the Nordic Nordic states there. I haven't been to them, though, right? So it's just, I'm projecting, so it may not be as good as I think it is. But, you know, uh, I like cold weather, so. Okay, if you like, well, you're, because you're in Canada at the moment? Yeah, I'm in, right? yeah I'm in Montreal at the moment, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. There's a whole world up here. It's crazy. Uh, you know, it's funny. You grow up in the United States and you just discount the presence of Canada. You, it's really kind of scary. And then, you know, like in Maine, think about Maine. If you've never been to Maine, Maine is this rural state. And people think of it as the end of, in the U.S., they think of it as the end of the universe, right? It's literally... <laughs> That's it. It's the end of the universe. It's Northland, barely survivable, you know. <laughs> and and the funny thing is, it's like the main, like you go across the main border, it's highly populated because that's the southern part of Canada, right? So it's you know, there's like a whole, <laughs> like, and it's and then you live up, you know, you live up here, and it's like it's very pleasant. It, it, it's not just ple- like. There's, it's not anywhere near as dramatic as people like that we've been, you know, raised as Americans to believe in terms of like weather and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's a few more degrees, you know, it's a little colder a little earlier. It's, you know, <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, I mean, Chicago is like a nightmare compared to Montreal. Sorry, guys in Chicago. Sorry. Sorry, Gary. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Nowhere near as dramatic as it's. It's just funny to have like a whole country kind of escape your, your you know, your awareness just because you know ridiculous prejudice or not not even prejudice, but um, ridiculous preconceptions or even absence of conception. So anyway, but I, I don't feel that way about New Zealand. I mean, my God, everybody wants to go to New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, although um, there there is a, a sort of a, a genre of uh, images where people have done maps and left New Zealand completely off because it's sort of at the the bottom end of the of the, of the globe map and it's this little little speck compared to everything else. So you can often oh. find, um, I think, uh, you know, people <laughs> people's maps will have New Zealand missing. Which is- <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, gosh! Yeah. Uh, so, uh, if you, you know, if someone funded you for for a year to escape to a desert island and just do do something programming wise, uh, didn't have to kind of produce anything 
there was no sort of commercial expectations. It was just here's a year's worth of funding and food and you know internet. Um, what what would that what would that look like for you? Well, that's uh, that's kind of hard because I've spent you know what, seven months this year already doing that. So, it's, <laughs> is that just more of the same? If you well, yeah, I, I think you know, like I would, yeah, I would kind of want a clean slate, and I haven't really, I haven't looked out at what's possible with my enthusiastic eyes. Does that make sense? Like, I haven't kind of taken in the landscape. And and ask myself what what would I really like to to work on next? Um, it's interesting. So that's this question is particularly hard. Like I did it. I did a stint uh, last year with Conrad uh, Barsky um, working on an Ethereum project, and that was that was interesting. That mm-hmm. was interesting. The, the ideas there are interesting. Um, it's really you know writing writing that type of code is extremely. Uh, difficult it's difficult to get it's so easy to get wrong and the consequences are so so high so it's yeah. a, it's a very uh yeah it's, it's challenging um the idea of like trying like i think i probably read a lot of papers and i try maybe read a lot of papers about distributed computing um yeah i think I would start the year reading a lot of papers and seeing like, you know, what's happening. And, Cause a lot of, a lot of things are changing very, very quickly in that area. And so it's, it's interesting. You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say I am a blockchain blockchain fanboy. I don't even pronounce it correctly. So you can tell, um, <laughs> I'm not really, uh, I'm not, I'm not a fanboy. Like I have two F right now to my name, like two, so that's the Ethereum currency. Uh, yeah. Yep. Two of those. Two of those. Then. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, the ideas there, there are some interesting ideas there, but there is, but I do have, you know, I do take issue with some of the, the libertarian nature of it. Uh, I do take issue. Like, it's not, I don't like the idea, like the currency idea, sometimes I'm, I'm a little worried about because, of certain things, uh, you know, because really we need a currency that's more responsive to our environment. We need a currency that's more responsive to things in the world that have value beyond capital. Um, and so a currency that's completely detached from anything like already capital is detached from things that, you know, human, human value, social value, and a lot of ways to have it be even more detached, uh, you it does make me worry. Like, you know what, you know what is the end game there? <laughs> you know, like, you know uh, what is and so? I yeah, I, I I don't know. I think maybe currency should be run by governments. So uh, yeah, and for right now at least I do. So unless you know, so you could somehow bake in societal value to it but anyway that's 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 different and uh, machine learning i'm super interested in that as well and so i probably spend a good bit of time experimenting reading papers and then uh looking looking at implementations of of the papers and and you know because that that just sounds like fun to me uh in terms of like you know uh, building something uh i think i've done enough of that for a while 
you know, in terms of building like one big project, I, you know, I'd probably rather join a project than, uh, you know, start from scratch on something. Nice. Great. Uh, so, uh, before we kind of wrap up, is there any, anything else you'd like to mention? Yeah, it's like, it's this point in the, the podcast that I normally, my mind, you know, the energy, your energy too, probably, but my energy starts, you know, cause it takes energy to converse and, and uh, it takes energy to, I don't know, present. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, at this point, <laughs> my, you know, as the battery wears down, uh, yeah, my, my, my ability to just uh, answer ad hoc questions gets, gets lower. Yeah, so fine. yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I'm really, yeah, yeah. I, I'm really happy with the way this, this went and yeah. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really glad you're doing a podcast. I think it's, I think it's a really good addition to the closure podcast space. So, you know, keep up the good work. I know it's not easy. Thank you. Yeah. I, I enjoy just getting to talk with smart, interesting people. Uh, that's reward on its own for my side. All right. Well, thanks very much for coming along and telling us what you've been working on. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to be checking out the auto testing on Figwheel Main and watching very closely to all the other things you're up to. Great, Daniel. Thanks, man. It's been a really, really uh, great experience talking to you here. And I hope we get to do it again sometime. Yeah, yeah, definitely.